Welcome to Crosspoint. 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 An interactive program featuring ministers and leaders of the Christian community addressing the issues that are challenging the church today. Here's your host, Mark Taylor. God gives us an amazing promise that helps us to see beyond the current conflicts in the Middle East. What are they? Welcome to today's Crosspoint. I'm Mark Taylor. Today's guest is Randall Price. Now he's studied and taught on Middle Eastern studies for years. He has lived in Jerusalem, he's done archaeology work there, and he serves as a professor at Liberty University. Well with us today here on Cross Point, we have Randall Price. Now, Randall, you've got quite an extensive background. You've lived in Jerusalem, you've been there in Israel many times. You've wrote over 40 books or helped uh, you know, be a part of uh, contributing to those. You've taught at Hebrew University. You currently serve at teaching at Liberty University. You're also president of the World of the Bible Ministries. Is that correct? That's correct. So can you tell us what is World of the Bible Ministries? You do all these different things. Sounds like you're a pretty busy fella. Well, a lot of them fit together. World of the Bible Ministries is related to bringing the world of the Bible to the word of the church. Our, our Bible is content, but it's in an ancient context. And so that involves going back into that original world that the Bible set in and making it clear to people. So we deal with the past, present, prophetic world of the Bible, past being archaeology, present being the Middle East conflict, and the future being Bible prophecy. And in doing those things, we help uh, people understand you know, the ancient world of the Bible and bring it into the 21st century. Now, I'd like to ask you a question. I've just kind of been curious. I know you've done excavations and stuff there in Jerusalem. So you've got some in-depth look into the, you know, the Jewish culture and all that. There's a lot of different Bibles out there, you know, versions of the Bible. What would you suggest, you know, because they're getting so many out there, what do you think is more accurate to what you see happening uh, there in the Middle East and how you know that culture is related to there's different printings of this, but the, from the culture, what do you think are some of the better translations a person should be maybe reading? They're, they're good translations. There's the NASV, uh, New American Standard Bible. There's the NEB, the New English Bible. Uh, there is, um, I'm trying to think, a few other ones like that that are relatively new. I think what you need to really understand what's going on is also a study Bible. And I've been involved with contributing to two study Bibles. Uh, one is just came out this uh, year uh, called the Evangelical Study Bible. Uh, it's a New King James, published by Thomas Nelson. And I contributed all the archaeological notes as well as a lot of commentary. So it's, it's centered with an understanding of basically that the Bible has a messianic focus, that the Bible has a great deal uh, about it that needs to be explained from the background, so that's a lot of what's in that. I also contributed to a new study Bible coming out. Uh, it will be probably a year from now, but it's called the Messianic Study Bible, being published by Zondervan. And in that, we try to bring out the Jewish insights, uh, the insights um from uh, archaeology, but also from uh, Jewish history and culture, and from Jewish sources to help people better understand uh, 
how the text that came to us from the Jewish people makes sense today. Now, I noticed in the foreword of the book here, uh, Jerusalem in Prophecy, that you say Jerusalem's a special city to you because you were born there, and you feel like that that's always home, and it should be. My daughter was born there. Uh, my wife and I moved there after seminary and did graduate studies, and then we've been back uh, every year since for the last 40 years, so about a total of 115 trips to Jerusalem. And uh, But I've done archaeological work in the city. We've taught there at the Hebrew University. So we feel very much like it's home. You say that Jerusalem, I noticed, has still got some of the greatest moments are still to come for Jerusalem. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think people often forget that. They think of Jerusalem as an ancient city or as a modern conflicted city. But every prophetic event in the Bible, all of them uh, center uh, in some way around Jerusalem, because it's Jerusalem is going to be the center of God's attention and also of God's enemy's attention in the next age to come, which time we call the tribulation, and then he'll be returning to that city at the end of that period, uh, as he promised, uh, to rule and to reign from Jerusalem for a thousand years. And then we have the New Jerusalem, which occupies uh, eternity. So everything that's related to our future hope has Jerusalem at its center. This book is a a revised and expanded edition. So this is a book that you had written, and then you've uh, added more to the book. Is that correct? Yeah, shortly after we moved back to the States from Jerusalem, I really wanted to uh, explain to people some things. And it was what was coming up was Jerusalem's 3,000th anniversary as the eternal capital of Israel. And so this book was prepared for that. Uh, That was back in 1998. So move ahead now uh, 20 years, let's say. A lot has happened. A lot is yet to happen. A lot of what I wrote, of course, is timeless, but there was a lot of new things and insights that I had that I wanted to add. So uh, this book came out in 2021 through the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry, and it was an opportunity to update and to give more insight after, you know, let's say a couple of decades of my learning as well. I also noticed in the book that you've worked as an archaeologist in Israel for, I guess, over 25 years, but what I thought was interesting there, you uh, did some work on the excavations of Qumran in that plateau area. Isn't that where the Dead Sea Scrolls came from? Yeah, exactly. I, we actually started there in 1996 and became the director of excavations in 2002 and was directing those excavations at Qumran till 2012 and then came back in 2017 and we started excavating caves uh, nearby where we believe there might be more uh, Dead Sea Scrolls. We found one uh, with seven jars in it, but the jars were empty. Uh, my, my understanding is that these caves to the south we were excavating, the Roman army who attacked Qumran in AD 68 came from the north and cut off those caves. That's where most of the scrolls were found. Once to the south, apparently... The members of Qumran fled down to Masada in the south, and on the way picked up those scrolls, leaving behind the empty jars. But we found that these were really scroll caves. So that 
particular discovery made the 2018 or December 2018 cover story in National Geographic. I also seen something very interesting here in the book uh, where you talk about, I never thought of it this way, but you say Jerusalem is the only city on earth that is guaranteed to have a future. This is important. This is an important truth to consider. I never thought about that, but it is. Jerusalem is the only uh, city that's going to be left, isn't it? <laughs> well, it is. And if you think of the new heavens and the new earth with the new Jerusalem on it, uh, that name Jerusalem continues right on. So I don't know about any other cities we can have a guarantee uh, of, but with Jerusalem we do. And that's why it's not just a symbol. It's actually a real city with a real future, one that many of us will share. Yeah. You talk about God's given us amazing promises to help us beyond see on the current conflicts in the Middle East because, you know, that's what we hear every day, something that Iran's up to, uh, something that's going on in Iraq or something that's going on in the Gaza Strip and Hamas is doing this, Hezbollah's doing that. Uh, but you talk about the amazing promises even though all these conflicts are going on. Tell us about that. Well, one thing, those conflicts uh, have their center in Jerusalem. All these Islamic countries have a goal of being able to control Jerusalem because in Islam, Jerusalem gained sanctity because of the alleged history of Muhammad. He actually died five years before Muslims ever came to the city, but they believe that somehow he made a night journey on a celestial steed named Al-Burak and then ascended to heaven from what's today the Temple Mount. And because of that, they hold that city, and you can hear threats from around uh, these various nations to Israel based on the fact that they uh, have sovereignty over Jerusalem, even though they allow the Muslims to control it, or to control the Temple Mount, which they consider uh, their noble enclosure. But, but, you know, because of that, Muslims feel there's promises collected to Jerusalem, but the Bible gives us the promises we know are for sure. That is that Jerusalem uh, will be the center of future conflict. What we see now is going to only grow as Eventually, all the nations of the world seek to attack Jerusalem because it will be there that God is blessing the Jewish people in the future. The temple will be rebuilt. It will be the center of the Antichrist attack, and he'll draw all the nations there to attack it. And Therefore, it will be the place where Jesus Christ will return as Israel's Messiah in the future. Uh, all the promises that are made and guaranteed uh in the covenants God made with Israel, which were secured by Christ, and to which Gentile Christians actually participate because they have faith, all of those have, have their focal point in Jerusalem, find fulfillment there, and from Jerusalem, it says, to the uttermost part of the world. Yeah. So, you talk about in the book, uh, looking on page 31, you say, some pastors have told me their calling is to save souls, help the poor, and restore values to society. They consider prophecy unimportant because they believe events that will take place in the distant future have no relevance for the here and now. Do you think those people are mistaken? I think that they uh, have just not read Scripture carefully because uh, the application that they're making depends on having a very good understanding of God's purpose and plans. There's nothing that encourages uh, our faith 
gives us the opportunity to evangelize and to help people in need more than understanding the, the promises of God. Uh, if we're secure in our hope, then we can share that hope with others. And that hope depends on Jerusalem having the fulfillment that God promised. If God doesn't fulfill his promises to Israel and the Jewish people, then we have no hope at all, because the same God guarantees us both. Yeah. So I think that uh, what they need to understand is that uh, all of these things are important. Prophecy is important, because it ultimately is given by God, the only thing given by God, to give sure evidence of the inspiration and inerrancy of the scriptures, uh, shows the power of God, contains the promise of God, and really, if we understand prophecy, it gives us that great hope in the future that allows us to, to live above all the confusion and conflict and stuff in our lives today and be able to continue to carry his message forward. So that's why I think prophecy is so important, and Jerusalem is a great part of that. Yeah. Now, you also say in the book, um, page 79, although Jerusalem is a indispensable part of God's prophetic program, its destiny is linked to, to that of greater Israel. What are you saying there? I mean, you know, we hear a lot of different uh, thoughts along areas of Bible prophecy, but what is the greater Israel and Jerusalem? How do those two work together? Well, I'm talking about the nation of Israel. Yes. Israel was composed of 12 tribes that lived in a chosen land, and that's what constitutes national Israel with its covenants. Uh, Jerusalem was the chosen city. Uh, Psalms 132 says that the Lord has chosen Zion, another name for Jerusalem. He said, this is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. So God's eyes are continuing on that place, and the promises made to the whole nation uh, were enjoyed and also judged at Jerusalem. So because the temple was there, uh, all the nation, everyone in the nation, wherever they were in the nation, had to come to Jerusalem, at least the males, three times a year uh, to worship the Lord. And according to 1 Kings 8, it says, wherever any Jewish person or Gentile person in the world was in those days and times, when the temple stood, it said, if you pray toward this place, that is, toward the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, God will hear from heaven and uh, and you know consider what to do with your prayers. But that's why Jewish people three times a day turn toward the direction of Jerusalem still and pray. Now, we're not required to do that, but we understand that it was an important place. It will still be an important place. And... What happens in Jerusalem then affects the destiny and the future of the rest of the nation of Israel, because God's promises were made to them, because those promises have come into the new covenant, which Israel has not yet as a nation enjoyed, and we participate in that. Uh, it's a very exciting thing to think about the future, because it will not just be uh, Gentiles, it will be the Jewish people all together embracing the Lord Jesus and uh, worshiping him uh, in uh, this new restored land that he'll create. And it'll be in the nation of Israel uh, where the center will be. Stay with us, folks. We're going to be back with more on Jerusalem and Prophecy right after this. This is Mark Taylor. If you miss a broadcast of Crosspoint, you can always go to our website at www.kneo.org and click on the programs page. 
There you can access the current Crosspoint program as well as the last four programs that have been aired. Never miss another Crosspoint program again. Go to www.kneo.org today. Do you have five minutes for God? I'm Pastor Ed Wilson, and I believe there's no better way to begin each morning than spending a little time with Him. That's why every weekday morning I bring you a short devotional broadcast designed just for that. Look up God's Five Minutes wherever you get your podcast to kickstart your spiritual walk for each day. We'll always do it in five minutes or less. Have you talked to God today? Welcome back to Crosspoint. I'm Mark Taylor. My guest today, Randall Price. We're talking about Jerusalem in prophecy, uh, God's stage for the final drama. Now, uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Randall, you've contributed over 40 books. You have been involved in this ministry of prophecy and the Bible uh, for years. Uh, tell people if they want to find out more about this book and other books you've done and the work you've done, how would they go about contacting you or finding out this? They can go to worldofthebible.com, worldofthebible.com. That's our ministry website, and there will be a page that shows all the various books uh, and other things. We have lots of resources at that website. We have also a YouTube channel, which you can access from that website. Uh, lots of free materials and uh, things, so uh, really people can uh, have a lot of learning based on that site. But uh, we also will show them uh, how to find other resources that are written. Uh, they could Google my name, Randall Price, on Amazon, for instance, and you'd find all the books and things there as well. So just worldofthebible.com will get you started. You say in the book, too, on page 96, currently the Arab nations and the Palestinians in particular dispute all of the territory that comprises modern Israel. However, Scripture declares that God gave this territory to Israel beginning with Abraham. And actually, Reynolds, didn't God give much more territory than what Israel actually possesses today? Yes. I mean, when you look at uh, the promise to Abraham of the land, Genesis 17, uh, which is redefined in the book of Numbers. Uh, <clears throat> there's territory, some of it was held by Solomon during his reign for about 40 years, but the, the boundaries extend far beyond that. And that's never been experienced or held by Israel. Uh, that's going to involve, really, the time of the future when uh, it says in Zechariah 14, 9 and 10, that the Lord will be king over all the earth, and his name the only one, and therefore he will be able to enforce uh, what he has wanted, and that is Jerusalem will be the capital. It tells us in Isaiah 2, uh, 2 through 4, that in those days uh, the, the mountain of the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem, will be raised above all the hills, all the nations will stream to it. It tells us that um, the word of the Lord will go forth from Jerusalem uh, to the world. It tells us there also that uh, peace will be made for the whole planet from that place, and no one will learn war anymore. So this is that time that people pray for God's will on, on earth as it is in heaven. And so Jerusalem is at the center of that. Um, you know, the Arab nations, all the others, are simply part of a program now bringing us to that future point uh, and the return of Christ to bring it to pass. 
So the name of the book is Jerusalem in Prophecy, but you can say God's stage for the final drama. What is the final drama, the stage that's being set for that? Well, the fulfillment of the prophetic program, which uh, in a sense began all the way back in the book of Genesis, uh, when God created this world, put man on it as a co-regent with him and intended to have fellowship with him, that was lost in the fall. And the program of God has been to defeat Satan and establish the Messiah as our Savior so that if we come to the end, he is going to restore what was lost. That is, to restore uh, the world in such a way that God will be able to fellowship with man. He'll have that kind of relationship. He'll be a uh, co-ruler with him again. Uh, We see that. Uh, as we come to the last book of the Bible, all that is unfolded. Uh, but in between, we have other things that will happen. The next events that will happen, my estimation, will be the rapture of the church, and then we'll focus a return, particularly uh, to Israel and the Jewish people in the land of Israel, where there will be uh, ultimately a tribulation that will take place over all the earth. It's called, in the Old Testament, the time of Jacob or Israel's trouble. And so as God is preparing uh, the Jewish people in Israel for his return and for their national repentance at a time when all Israel will be saved, according to Romans chapter 11, verse 25 through 27, then uh, it it will be climaxed with the coming of Christ to earth, uh, the judgment of enemies, the basically the separation of the Gentile nations, uh, believers from unbelievers. Christ will start his earthly administration, what we call uh, the Messianic Kingdom. So those are the kind of things that are the final drama, but the stage is always the land of Israel and with Jerusalem in its center. In the book also, you've got a timeline charts and stuff. Uh, looking at one on page 85, Prophetic Events Concerning Jerusalem in Jewish Eschatology. Uh, you talk about the age of the Gentile domination, then the age of redemption. Where are we at right now in that? Are we in that age of redemption? Are we still under what they call the age of the Gentiles? Where Where do you see our timeline? Yeah, back in Luke chapter 21 and verse 24, it predicted that Jerusalem be trodden down by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled or completed. And we still see Jerusalem trodden down by Gentiles, even though it's under the sovereignty of the state of Israel, the place that was ancient Jerusalem, which is the Temple Mount, that was really all of Jerusalem in that day. Uh, and, and that particular area called Eastern Jerusalem is still uh, largely the Arab and Muslim population and controlled by them to the extent that they don't allow Jews to pray there, they don't allow Jews or Christians access to uh, to go inside the Dome of the Rock, which is the site of the Temple. Uh, these type of things indicate that there's still Gentile domination. And that even grows to a greater extent during the Tribulation period, where the Antichrist, who is the Gentile ruler in the times of the Gentiles, will bring this uh, to a climax by... Uh, invading the rebuilt temple and persecuting the Jewish people and actually trying to destroy them. So that type of thing, uh, you know, simply indicates to us uh, what is to come 
and why Jerusalem is so central to this whole uh, final story. Right after page 100 in the book, you uh, start talking about the era of replacement theology. Can you kind of tell the folks what is replacement theology if they don't know uh, why this is a problem? Yeah, replacement theology or supersessionism is the idea that the promises of God made to the, the nation of Israel have been transferred to another people. They would say the church of God today. And even though that church contains Jews who believe in Jesus, uh, they don't consider them Jews anymore. They consider national Israel to have lost its promises uh, because of its rejection of Jesus. Now, frankly, uh, when Israel rejected God in the past and God disciplined them, he again, he restored them. And that promises are for a future restoration. So God is not finished with Israel. And the problem with replacement theology is that it sounds neat and simple, but it rereads the entire Old Testament in light of what they believe the New Testament teaches. New Testament does not anywhere teach that God has no future for Israel, that he's replaced Israel, uh, that the promises will not be fulfilled for Israel. Uh, and, you know, Romans 15, Jesus said he came to confirm the promises made to the fathers. When Paul writes in, in Romans 9, 5, he says, you know, what, what advantage has the Jews? Well, I think it's chapter 3, but anyway, he says, a great and ever respect, he said, for theirs is the promises and the fathers and the covenants. He goes on and makes it present tense. When we look at what Paul says in Romans chapter 9 through 11, and particularly chapter 11, when he answers the question, has, has God rejected his people, Israel? And he says, it will never be. He said, in fact, if we see their present rejection as a blessing for the Gentiles, an opportunity for them to come in, he said, how much more would their fulfillment be? So he makes it quite clear that God isn't finished. In fact, in Romans 11, he also talks about the figure of an olive tree uh, with its natural branches. The olive tree has its roots in the Abrahamic covenant, the promises of those covenant are the trunk, and the, the limbs are the the Jewish people who uh, are part of those national promises. But those who don't believe have the have the, the limbs as it were broken off and grafted in to that tree unnaturally are these wild olive branches, which are the Gentiles. But because of faith, they can be grafted into Abraham's original promise to bless all the families of the earth. But he goes on to say, those broken off branches, still, he said, if God wants to graft them back in, he can do it. So we should never come to the place where we, we say that Israel is finished, that its, its promises are nullified, that in some way they replaced uh, spiritually by another people. We share those promises, we don't overtake those promises. On page 120 of the book, uh, you talk about uh, guidelines for examining current events. Very first thing you say there is interpret current events in the light of the Bible and not the Bible in the light of current events. That happens probably a little bit more than it should by people seeing current events and then trying to interpret that into the Bible. I think our first responsibility is to understand the Bible well. If we do that, uh, there's no question that 
the, the God of the Bible is still very active in this world. And if we turn on the television, read the news, whatever we do, we see things happening. And if you're aware of what God is going to do, you can see how current events fit into that program. They may not be exact, but we, we can start to see glimpses of it. We can see nations that were uh, said to invade Israel in the future okay, are, are being lined up today. Uh, we can see how Jerusalem, uh, it's supposed to be a center of conflict, but ultimately a blessing. Uh, right now, it's that center of conflict for the most part, but that was that was promised to happen. We haven't seen the promises fulfilled, but we see the preparation for the promises to be fulfilled. So it's very important to know first your Bible well and understand it accurately so you can you can look at what's going on in the world and not be confused or misled. In fact, it will strengthen your faith if you're able to see what God is, is doing today. On the other hand, you know, like you mentioned, you have to be careful not to start with current events and try to run to the Bible and find something you think will fit them because it doesn't work that way. And many times then we we say things that won't come to pass. Uh, we have premature conclusions, and that could uh, cause some people to think, well, we don't know what we're talking about. They don't listen to our message. Yeah. People predict things like the rapture of the church. That's a seamless event. There's no way anybody could know that. But people try to do it all the time, and then the prophecies fail. And that's uh, a difficulty for us trying to get out the gospel message. Now, again, tell people how they can find out more about this book, Jerusalem and Prophecy, the many other books that you've done and your ministries that you run. Well, first let me say Jerusalem and Prophecy is published by an organization called the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. And their website is foi.org. foi.org. This is a, an outreach ministry to the Jewish people uh, to build bridges of understanding and also bring the gospel to them, uh, not in the land of Israel, but all around the world. Uh, it's a, a well-established uh, organization, and uh, I'm on the board of it. That's one reason I wanted them to be able to publish this book, so they can get a lot of information about things there. My website is worldofthebible.com, and there you can find uh, specific information about uh, biblical archaeology, prophecy, uh, many other exciting events. All right, well, folks, stay with us, and we're going to continue on with Jerusalem and Prophecy right after this. If you live within the broadcast area of KNEO Radio, we have a podcast just for you. The KNEO Community Connection keeps your finger on the pulse of what's coming up in the four state area, telling you about upcoming events you don't want to miss, organizations in our communities doing great work, and conversations with the dynamic citizens who are behind it all. There's a lot going on around you that you don't want to miss. This is Luke Taylor. Join me each week as we talk about what's happening with the people who are making it happen. Brought to you by KNEO Radio 91.7 FM and the Sky High Podcast Network. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. On purpose, with a purpose. For a purpose. To get God's truths into their lives. Share God's love with people who need encouragement. You get the truth of God out there and it resounds and it resonates. 91.7 The Word. It does amazing things in people's lives. You're listening to Crosspoint. Thanks for listening today. As We're talking with Randall Price. We're talking about... Jerusalem and prophecy, God's stage for the final drama. And uh, Randall, on chapter 7 of the book, it's called Dark Before the Dawn. And then you say there, uh, 
on page uh, 133, I believe it is. Uh, whatever happens in Jerusalem affects the rest of the world. God's plan for earth's future hangs on its purposes uh, with Israel and is the timetable of God's purposes with Israel, and it hangs on Jerusalem. So Israel and Jerusalem, they just hang together, and they are really the prophetic time clock of the world? Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, if, if you don't recognize that, then you really uh, don't seem to put the events of today into perspective. You don't know what God is doing. Um, so God has never abandoned Jerusalem, but for a long time, it was you know, basically a desolate city with others who occupied it. But now it's uh, come back as the capital of a restored national Israel uh, from 1948 to today. Uh, that's a very important thing. You can't, you can't neglect that because if God is in control of history and this has happened, there's a purpose for it, and it's related to Scripture. But we need to see that the things happen in the world then, and there's no doubt that things happen in the world today uh, are very difficult, and things will become more difficult. Uh, we may have opportunities to see uh, God bring us back from the brink a few times, but for the most part, the world is headed toward a time of judgment. And that's something God said would happen. He's going to bring his righteous kingdom on earth. He has to remove unrighteousness, and this is a very unrighteous world. So uh, we're headed toward a time of, of conflict, but uh, but better days follow that. So we talk about darkness before the dawn. That's just a natural figure of speech. Uh, we, the night is gone, the day comes, and that's what's going to happen as we move through the time of tribulation and we see the coming of the Lord. Um, it's one reason why the Scripture tells us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, Psalms 122, verse 6, because what happens there affects us everywhere. Uh, if, if Jerusalem is where this conflict will find its center, Jerusalem is the place where Christ is coming to uh, save his city and his people. Ultimately, we find the national repentance of Israel there, and he's coming to rule and reign. I mean, you, when you look at a passage like Zechariah chapter 14, and verses 2 and 3, and it talks about these nations surrounding Israel, and, and that day the Lord goes forth to fight uh, as on a day of battle. And says, His feet will stand on the Mount of Olives that day, which is east of Jerusalem, and a big earthquake happens. And all of these things, that has not yet happened. There's no way we can spiritualize those things because they are a real place and they involve a, a real event. And that's yet to come, and Jerusalem's at the center of that. So as we pray for the events that God has promised concerning Jerusalem, ultimately we're praying for God to do this on an international scale. Chapter 8 of the book is titled Destined for Disaster, and on page 164 you talk about the territories of the invasion. You say the leader of the invasion, Gog, is depicted in the military leader who arises from Magog, the northern region, from Israel's vantage point. Uh, you talk about t is today comprised of the former Soviet republics. And then down at the bottom there you say, could it be only coincidental that the balance of power in this part of the world has for decades been concentrated in Russia and these Arab countries? Uh, so you're saying we should always be paying close attention spiritually about what's going on over there, especially right now with what's going on in Ukraine and other places? Is this all right. just things working into the process? 
Yeah, we don't know the timetable, but we know the place where uh, these nations will be drawn together to ultimately invade Israel uh, in the what we call the end time. And that's Ezekiel chapter 38, 39. It talks about the battle of Gog and Magog. Now, this has been variously interpreted. There's many, many views. But if I take a literal interpretation of the scripture, and I see this as a future eschatological event, then I realize that it hasn't yet happened, and I realize that these places, um, which don't have modern names but have ancient names, uh, will be involved in this conflict. And if you look at the modern names, this, this, these invaders from the north of Israel uh, and the territories explained in the term Magog, that, that, uh, that is the place, Gog is the leader from this place, the ancient names are the lands of Scythica, which are today modern-day Russia, and its satellites. It also mentions other places, which uh, all those places there are part of modern Turkey, and the others relate to uh, Iran, for instance. Um, so that's, that was the ancient Persia. And those three bodies, with a few others that are mentioned, uh, today have a military alliance, they are working together. They both uh, claim that they are going to support each other. Iran calls for Israel's destruction. Turkey uh, has made many statements. Uh, Erdogan, who's the current prime minister, has said uh, every day that Jerusalem is under the control of the Jews is an, is an offense to us. He wants to see that taken over. And, of course, in this end-time battle, Jerusalem is the focal point. So, uh, the reality of this today is the first time in history these three nations have allied in this way and with the goal, ultimately, of uh, securing this ambition, which would be Israel and uh, Jerusalem. They don't always state it uh, publicly. But if you look at some of the things that are being said, particularly by those who are uh, like Turkey and Iran Muslim, uh, that's what you hear. And Russia has always wanted that corridor that is Jerusalem. Uh, it's a very important area. Right now, a lot of Russia's interest in getting uh, oil through its pipelines is being thwarted by Israel, uh, controlling some of that area and also competing with it with the Tamar uh, natural gas fields and things that are offshore. So uh, you can, if you look at these things carefully, you can see that a lot is being prepared. We don't know when, but we know... Uh, we are getting close. Chapter 12 of the book is entitled God Comes Home. Now, in that, you tell a story about people usually unable to approach, you know, certain area there. But you were able to climb to the backside of the Golden Gate and you was able to get in. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, there's a lot of things archaeologically about this area that we call the Eastern Gate or the Golden Gate. Uh the Muslim cemeteries on one side of that, which is why it's usually off-limits, certainly to archaeologists. On the other side, uh, there are columns inside from the Second Temple period. Uh, they're also guarded. It's not a, a public entrance. Uh, Muslims can go there, but, but no others. And it's just, again, uh, confirmation that this place existed at that time. Uh, that's important because today we have the Muslim authorities worldwide, but particularly those who are 
in Jerusalem saying there was never a temple here, that Jerusalem uh, was never important to the Jewish people, that uh, the Jews only invaded in the 19th century, and there was, in fact, uh, no past history for Israel at all. This is goes along with replacement theology, but for them it's a revisionist history. So they just they just tell their people there never was in Israel. This place was never important to them. Uh, it's always been our city, and now they're trying to take it over. They make it as though it were some Zionist ambition that has nothing to do with history uh, or the Bible at all. And that is the, the kind of thing that when you find archaeological evidences that confirm the reality of the history of the Bible, it's very important uh, for political uh, statements as well. Yeah. Now, in the back of the book, you talk about page uh, 320, I believe it is. One reason I wrote this book was to help people prepare for the prophetic events that may overtake this generation. Now, I've asked this question to a lot of different people. Uh, by what we're seeing happening today, I know we can't predict the time, but it sure looks like we are in that last age that uh, the Bible talks about. Just, I mean, I don't know if anything needs to happen for the return of Christ and the catching way of the church. No, there's nothing. But, you know, if we think about uh, events, I mean, for instance, you think of Christmas, and when you go to the stores and you see pumpkins all out, well, that, that's not Christmas, but you know Christmas is coming because a, a season like Thanksgiving uh, comes before Christmas, and so you know Christmas is on the way. When we look at the events that are happening today, uh, even though we may not be a part of those, and it, it doesn't affect the timing of the rapture, it affects the events that will happen after the rapture. So for that, we know we must be getting closer because even though the big event hasn't happened, the small things to prepare for that are falling into place. And that's one reason that I wrote this book, to tell people, get ready. Um, one person has said it this way, uh, God has not told us the time, uh, so don't try to guess the time, but be ready all the time because Christ can come at any time. Yeah. Now, you believe, uh, Randall, that Jerusalem is the most important city in the entire world. Is that correct? Well, because we've already said that it's the one place that, first, it's in the Bible, it's mentioned uh, over 800 times, so it's mentioned more than any other city. Uh, it's the one city that we ha has a sure destiny. Every other uh, city or uh, capital in the world may perish, and many have, but Jerusalem will always be there. <clears throat> and then the very fact that uh, end-time events will find their fulfillment in that city makes it very important for all of us. I know it's important to have different things happening in the Jewish culture, uh, like special events, special days, special feasts, and all that. That is very significant, isn't it, into Jerusalem and what you're talking about here? Yeah, if we look at, for instance, the festival calendar of Israel, uh, we have spring feast, we have fall feast, uh, beginning with Rosh Hashanah, Feast of Trumpets, uh, moving to Yom Kippur, and then after that comes what we call the Feast of Tabernacles, or the end gathering. And all the prophetic calendar, the spring feast, have already been fulfilled. That was fulfilled with the first coming of Messiah. Um, so when you have Passover, and you have things like uh, unleavened bread, and you have the idea 
uh, finally, of what we call Pentecost, uh, which is the birth of the church. All that has taken place in the past on God's schedule, but his future schedule involves these fall feasts. So the, the Feast of Trumpets is the preparation of Israel for the things to come, and the time of its national repentance is what we see when we talk about Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, uh, which is when Jews uh, stop every activity, they come together, and uh, they seek to do deeds of goodness, so they try to repent from things so their names will be written in the Book of Life. But those who know the Bible know that God has already provided that means through Jesus the Messiah. If they believe in him, their names are sealed in the Book of Life. And so this future Yom Kippur is the one that's being spoken of when we have a nation born in a day, when it says all Israel will be saved. That's what's coming. And then after that, this uh, Feast of Tabernacles will be this time of Christ's millennial rule. So, uh, and, and at the center of all of those is Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, even tens of thousands of Jews go into the Western Wall to finish their uh, Yom Kippur prayers and prepare to end their fast. And when you talk about the Feast of Tabernacles, they're, they're all there. It culminates in Jerusalem uh, as well. Uh, so all of these things have their focus there, which is why we need to have our focus there as well. Not just uh, forget Jerusalem, because we realize what the Bible says, Psalms 137, verse 5, it says, If I forget you, O Jerusalem, may my right hand forget her skill, and my, my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth, and I don't remember you and exalt Jerusalem above my chief joy. And, and for Jews in exile, they were saying Jerusalem is where God is going to fulfill his promises. We want to get back there. And my right hand is how I greet people. My right hand is how I fight my battles with holding a sword in my hand. Um, I don't have a word to say if I don't have a good word to say about Jerusalem. I'll lose my skill. I'll lose my fellowship. I'll lose my defense if I lose my hope for what God is going to do in Jerusalem. Yeah. And the hope there is the new Jerusalem to come, and that's going to be quite a bigger, much bigger Jerusalem than the one we have now, isn't it? Yes, but, you know, there's a reason why it's called New Jerusalem, because the old Jerusalem had such an important part to play in God's past, and uh, for us, our future fulfillment. The New Jerusalem will simply embody that as a place for all the saints, for all the ages, with Christ's presence in the midst. Well, we've been talking today about Jerusalem in prophecy, God's stage for the final drama. Been talking with Randall Price. Randall, again, tell people how they can find out more about this book, about the many books you've written, and the, the things that you do there uh, with your ministry at the World of the Bible Ministries. As I said, the book was published by the Friends of Israel. So that is foi.org. Foi.org will give you all those resources that are available. And then my uh, website is worldofthebible.com. And worldofthebible.com will give you a lot of other resources, uh, access to a YouTube channel, many other things that uh, will help keep you updated on prophetic uh, interpretation and even some things to prepare for that ultimate fulfillment. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today here on Crosspoint. 
You're welcome, Mark. Thank you. Well, that was a good informative interview today there with Randall Price. I hope you appreciated that. It's a lot of good insight about Jerusalem and prophecy and what's going on. You know, Randall just works, and as many of them always do, right off the Bible, the other book in my other hand here. Uh, and if you will open the Bible, you can find a lot of what Randall talked about today and line up with what he's written in this book. And uh, folks, you need to be always knowing what God's Word said. It's a very essence of life. It's never outdated. It's a living Word of God. And it accurately describes life for you today and for tomorrow. The Bible contains the most important words you're ever going to read and certainly need to be following. Be sure and join us again next time as we again discuss issues that are affecting the church. Have a great week. Allow God to use you for His purposes so that greater things can be done. Make your life count in God's plans for eternity. I'm Mark Taylor. Crosspoint is a program produced in Studio 101 at KNAO Radio. Not all of the views on Crosspoint reflect those of the management or staff of KNEO. You may contact the Crosspoint program at 10827 Highway 86 East, the Osho, Missouri 64850, or by email crosspoint at kneo.org. You can hear Crosspoint four times a week Saturday morning at 1, Saturday afternoon at 2, Saturday evening at 9, and Sunday evening at 7. You can also listen anytime online at kneo.org. Harper's Kennel of Stella, Missouri is proud to be sponsoring this portion of broadcasting on KNEO. Owned by Judy and Danny Harper, Harper's Kennel of Stella, Missouri specializes in French Bulldogs. For more information, the phone number is 417-628-3083.